Okay, tonight, tonight, I want to go back to Revelation 20. I know we've been there so many times. We're coming to the end of our study in last things. We're probably going to do this at least one more time, maybe two more Wednesday nights on last things or end times prophecy. Um, And tonight I want to talk about the millennium a little bit more. It's so important It's so important. There's so much to say about it, but just giving a general overview in a way that's kind of different than what we've been doing. Um, But the millennium in Revelation 20, we'll start there looking at those first seven verses. And uh, the millennium is described in a variety of ways in the Bible. So we're going to look at a few of those, and it's going to give us an understanding, a greater understanding of the description of it, the purpose of it. what the Word of God has to say about the millennial kingdom of Jesus Christ. So, Revelation 20. Everybody there? Okay. Revelation 20 and verse 1. I just want you to notice that uh, John begins here talking about the millennium and about the resurrections uh, in the Bible, but he says I, that he saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him how long? A thousand years. Yeah. So if you underline in your Bible, I'll, I'll help you find all the times that that's mentioned in this chapter. In verse 2, you have a thousand years. In verse 3, notice again, right in the middle of the verse... The thousand years. That's the second time. Then down in the end of verse 4. Lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. So that's one, two, three times. And then in the middle of verse 5. The rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. Uh, The end of verse 6. Um, priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. So verse 7 says it one more time. And when the thousand years are expired. All right. From a plain literal sense, what's that referring to? A thousand years, right? That's the length of the millennial reign of Jesus Christ. It's referring to a period of time. So... Just a plain, literal sense of the Word of God. Uh, that's the only interpretation you could come away with, right? If the plain sense makes perfect sense, <laughs> seek no other sense, right? But you would, you would just be amazed at what people try to do to explain that away. But the Bible says it's a duration of time and it's a thousand years. So that's my first point tonight. We're moving right along. We're already into the first point, and we're done with the first point. That's the first thing that we learn about this description of the, of the millennium, that it lasts a thousand years. So, now turn with me to Zechariah 14, okay? If you go to Matthew, the book before it is Malachi, and the book before that is Zechariah. Zechariah 14, So it's the second to the last book in the Old Testament, Zechariah 14. And we're going to see here that the millennium is described as the day of the Lord. 
Zechariah 14. When Satan is known in prison, is this Everything's nice and and Yeah, and that's exactly what we're going to talk about. And that's a great way to describe it. Everything will be nice. And it will be quiet. And it will be peaceful. And all the effects of the fall, you know, the ruin of sin upon uh, nature will be reversed. It'll be regenerated and all that stuff will be gone. So you won't have uh, coyotes, you know, running through the woods, attacking other animals and attacking children. Yeah, I heard one last, I heard a pack of them last night. This was before noon. Really? They went out in front of us. That's strange. Yeah. I've heard tales of those things attacking children. You won't have that sort of thing happening in the millennium. So can I ask another question? Sure. When, when uh, the earth is all quiet and peaceful, why aren't those people raised to heaven? A lot of them will. There will be millennial saints, and a lot of them will. They'll go to heaven, uh, but there will still be people at the end of that 1,000 year period that, that rebel against Christ. And when the devil let loose it all. He's the one who kind of like, he, he starts stirring up trouble and people show their true colors and they, they follow him and rebel against Christ. Right, yeah. And that's, uh, that's because those people living on the, well, we'll get to it, but yeah, those people living on the earth, they're coming out of the tribulation period and they have children. And the children that they have still have the sin nature in them. So the earth is regenerated. All the effects of the fall are gone there. But those children, then they're the ones who, you know, there arose a generation which knew not God. And maybe, you know, we'll, we'll see what this, the whole story is there. But that's where that comes from. Yeah. So, okay, so the day of the Lord. Zechariah 14, uh, verses 1 through 3. There's good questions. It says here, Behold... The day of the Lord. So you see that? It's described as the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord cometh, and they and thy spoil shall be divided in the midst of thee. For I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle, and the city shall be taken, and the houses rifled. This is describing what's happening during the second half of the tribulation period. The women are ravished. Half of the city shall go forth into captivity. The residue of the people shall not be cut off from the city. There will be a, a residue, a remnant uh, that survives this thing. And, and so, verse 3, Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations as when He fought in the day of battle. So he's referring to a battle that took place with Joshua. And the picture is the same way that Joshua entered the land. If you remember studying that in Sunday school, if you picture, you know, the Jordan River here and then Israel here and then this land over here coming from the east toward the west, Joshua entered into Cana land, you know, and Jericho and all that stuff. The walls fell down Jericho. That same route, that's what Jesus is going to take in the second advent to come in to conquer Israel's enemies, which will be the United Nations, World Health Organization, uh, the Pope at the very top of that, the leaders of this world, the Antichrist, all coming against uh, Israel to destroy them. And so Jesus will come and will fight. He himself will fight for his people. 
Now, if you notice in verse, you could read, let's read verses 8 and 9. Just skip down to there. It shall be in that day that living waters shall go out from Jerusalem, half of them toward the former sea and half of them toward the hinder sea in summer and in winter shall it be. Again, all of that literal. Look at verse 9. The Lord shall be king over all the earth. Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, that's Jesus. In that day shall there be one Lord and his name one. Now, every word of that verse is literal. Nothing spiritual in it. You can't allegorize that verse. This is literal. King Jesus will sit upon a throne in the city of Jerusalem. It will be the throne of his father David, but now it will be the throne of his glory, transferred into the throne of his glory, and he will sit and rule this world. That's literal. (laughs) Did you know that uh, what what I'm referring to here is the second advent? The second coming. Did you know that's this represented by this arrow, Jesus Christ coming down and conquering the enemies of Israel? And uh, did you know that this event in the Bible is referred to more times than the virgin birth is referred to? We would consider the virgin birth to be very important. That's a fundamental of the faith. It's referred to more times than regeneration is referred to, or the deity of Christ, or the New Testament plan of salvation. You'll find more verses on Jesus coming back to rule this world than you will on the New Testament plan of salvation. You'll find more verses on the second advent than you will on the new birth, or the local church, or water baptism, or tithing, or even crucifixion, or... On missions, you'll find more verses on the second coming of Christ. My question is this. Why don't you hear Bible teachers talking about it more? If that's the case, they can't stand the truth. truth. Churches can't handle it when the preacher really starts shelling the corn and separating the chaff from the wheat. A lot of times, they won't put up with it. People will not endure sound doctrine. Jesus Christ is coming back to conquer a rebellious world, to conquer the kingdoms of men. And uh, people uh, don't want I guess it's not a popular subject. And I guess if what I'm trying to do is just fill seats and tickle, uh, you know, tiptoe around the tithers and, and uh, tickle people's ears and make them happy, you know, and, and preach a social gospel and fill this place up so I can get rich, you know. I guess this whole business of Jesus coming back and being mad, that doesn't fit very good into that plan, does it? Yeah, loving God wouldn't do this. Right. Yeah. But what's the answer to that? Yeah, he is a God of love, but he's a God of justice. He's a holy God. Yeah. Every sin, every sin must be punished. Yeah. So just think about the emphasis that Scripture puts on this event. 
I, I wanted to draw this figure up here because I thought it would kind of help us. This is just another way to diagram what we've been talking about as we come to the end of it. So in the Bible, you have the day of, the, day of Christ, and we're looking at the day of the Lord right now. And you have the day of God. These three prophetic days are different. Okay, They're not the same. They shouldn't be confused. However, they overlap. So you see how this one here is overlapping. The purple and the red. And here, the day of the Lord, which I represent with purple for royalty, it's overlapping with the day of God. So in other words, sometimes you'll find when it's talking about the day of Christ, it mentions the second advent. Sometimes when it's talking about the day of the Lord, it mentions the destruction of this present world, uh, and then going into the day of God. But generally, you can separate these things, and it helps us to understand it. So what you have in the day of Christ, the next thing that we're looking forward to is we have the rapture. And then you have, for believers, the judgment seat of Christ, where our works will be judged, not our sins. Our sins were judged at Calvary, but our works will be judged here, and we will be rewarded. So that's why Jesus said, you know, work, for the night is coming. He said that if a man brings a cup of cold water, you know, he will no wise lose his reward and so on. Jesus said, lay up treasures in heaven. This is where you're going to find out about your treasures. And he's also going to give responsibility to people who served him and suffered with him. They will be a part of the new government of the civilization of this world in the millennial kingdom. Christians will rule over the government. How's that for Judeo-Christian Zionism, huh? Now, after the Jesuit seat of Christ, Christ returns to conquer his enemies and to set up his kingdom. So, during the day of the Lord, what you have here is you have the millennial kingdom, the thousand years. And then, uh, you know, at the end of that, Satan is loosed and all of that stuff happens. At the close of that day, you have, you could look at it another time, but Second Peter 3, you have the destruction of this present world and of its elements is gone. This world is gone. Not just burned up on the surface, I mean gone. Okay? So if you're worried about the polar ice caps melting, don't worry, God's going to take care of it. Just not now. Okay? They will melt. But that'll be gone and then everybody will be taken up to the great white throne judgment that we talked about. I can't talk about all the details, but we talked about the details before. Great White Throne Judgment. And from there, it'll go into eternity. And that's Revelation... That's an that's a eternity symbol. That's Revelation 21. New heavens and a new earth. Okay? But this world here is what we're concerned about in the day of the Lord. When Jesus Christ comes back, some other things happen that we're going to look at in the next points. So... That is the day of the Lord. Now, the millennium is described as being a thousand years long, as being the day of the Lord. And thirdly, as the times of restitution of all things. That's Acts chapter 3. So we've looked at that before, but we couldn't look at it in detail. So let's go to Acts chapter 3. The time of the restitution of all things.
You know, uh, I used to just love coming to church and getting to be where you are and did it for years and years and years. And I loved coming to a church that was a Bible church. You know what I mean? Um, we ought to be Bible people. That means we ought to be people of the book. And I loved coming to a church where you needed your Bible and we were studying and comparing Scripture to Scripture. And I just loved it and loved and now And the Lord called me to do this and to be the one leading it. But, you know, we're all students of the Word of God. And I don't know about you, but I just enjoy this stuff. I hope you're just as thrilled as I am. But I just enjoy this and uh, love, love being able to serve the Lord. It's a great privilege that we have. If you think about it, we've got the whole Bible. You know, for 4,000 years of human history, they didn't have the whole thing until, you know, this last 2,000 years. And we got it all. So Acts chapter 3 and verse 21 says here, now this is Peter preaching on the day of Pentecost. And he says, whom the heaven must receive. Who's he talking about there? Well, that's Jesus Christ, of verse 20. So he was referring to the ascension when Jesus went back to heaven. Whom the heaven must receive until the times of restitution of all things. So the third way that I'd like to say that the millennium is described is as the restitution of all things. The times. So again, we're talking about a calendar. Talking about a time. Which God hath spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. Okay? Now, where are we, where are we in God's dealings with men? Let me, uh, let me kind of draw this up here. Um, just this, this is something separate. Okay, here's, here's 4,000 years of Old Testament history, right? This is all Old Testament. Um, when Jesus Christ died on the cross, the New Testament's not in effect until His death, till the death of the testator. Otherwise, a living will is not in effect my wife uh, doesn't get what is in the will, and kids won't get it. what is in the will. There's not much in there, but they wouldn't get it until I died, right? Well, the New Testament is not in effect until Jesus dies. He dies on the cross, and then it's in effect. Peter is here preaching in Acts chapter 3, just, uh, just, brief, just shortly after that. He's preaching, and he says, All the prophets... Since time began in the Old Testament, what does he say about them? He said that uh, Jesus must be received until the times of restitution of all things, which God hath spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. So the Old Testament prophets, all of them spoke of the millennium, the times of restitution. The times of restitution can only be the millennium. You say, why is that? Why is that? How can you know that for, for sure? You talk like you're so sure. Take everything that we've said, everything that we've studied. Was the church prophesied in the Old Testament? That's over here. Was the church prophesied in the Old Testament? I hope that somebody knows because we went over and over this. And... Was it prophesied in the Old Testament? 
No. No, it wasn't. It's not in the Old Testament. It's a mystery. It's the mystery of the body of Christ. It's a secret in God's mind. Read through the Old Testament. And it's a secret in God's mind, right? It is hidden in the hidden counsels of God. Yes. And so, in the Old Testament, as you're reading through that this year, hopefully, just see if you find the church. You won't. So, it was hidden. So, the Old Testament prophets, what were they talking about? The times of restitution of all things is the millennial kingdom. You'll find a lot of the kingdom. Remember I said there's more about the kingdom than any of those other things. And about the reign of Christ. So, it's referring to the millennial reign of Christ. I feel like this would be helpful to you. They didn't know about the 2,000 year reign. Is what they didn't know about. They were planning, they were planning on that going right on into the 1,000 year reign millennium. Yeah. So they did not know about us. No, they didn't. They did not see it coming. We were a mystery. We were a secret in God's mind. Yeah. Even Jesus' disciples, they didn't understand why he had to go to the cross. No, they didn't understand the cross. They didn't understand the church. None of that. All of that was given to Paul. Remember we studied that in the book of Acts? All of that was given to Paul. Not to Peter. Not to John. All given to Paul. So this is, what, this is the way Clarence Larkin, he's, uh, he wrote uh, the Dispensational Truths. This is the way he draws it. This is an eyeball. I'm not a real good artist, but just imagine like a prophet standing here. Okay, he's standing here, and he's looking out with his prophetic eye. That is what God has allowed him to see and to know in Scripture. He's looking out, and then if you imagine, he's looking out at a mountaintop. So imagine that's a great mountain. And he sees this line of sight. And here's another great mountaintop. And so we're going to refer to these as being great mountaintops of prophecy. He sees this first mountaintop, and he sees the first coming of Christ, the first advent, his birth. The Messiah's got to come, right? He sees the coming of the Messiah. Everybody knew that. Everybody knew they were expecting Mary. She expected a Messiah. Every little girl wanted to be the girl that the Messiah would come from. They all expected that. And what the prophet would see in the Old Testament is he would see the second advent. He would see this Messiah coming forth to conquer and to liberate his people, Israel. That's why everybody expected him to come and to free them from Rome. That's what they thought would be the restitution of all things. Now, what the prophet could not see was the valley of the church age. 2,000 years of church age history. He could not see this. You say, why couldn't he see it? Because God didn't let him see it. God didn't give it to any of the prophets. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Malachi, whoever you're talking about. David. Yeah, it's hidden. Hidden to them. So this is revealed. When is it revealed? After the Jews rejected their Messiah. In the book of Acts, we're studying this. They're going to reject him three times. We're going to watch it. Every time it says, so he turned away from them and turned to the Gentiles. So they didn't see this. The restitution of all things, what is it? It's at the second advent in the millennial kingdom. All right? You've got your magic number again. 4,000, 2,000, 
1,000. Yes, seven. You got seven. 7,000 units. Seven, seven units of 1,000. And that's, that's it. That's God's whole plan. So, all right, times of restitution. Now, what I just said was this refers in 321 to the millennium, not the church age. The prophets didn't know about the church age, so it could not be possibly referring to that. Peter had no idea at that time. Um, if you just keep reading the passage, just real quick, let's read verse 22. For Moses truly said unto the fathers, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren like unto me. Who is he referring to when Moses said that? Well, the fulfillment is Jesus Christ. In verse 22, and it says, Him shall ye hear in all things whatsoever he shall say unto you, and it shall come to pass that every soul which will not hear that prophet, who's that? Jesus. His prophet, priest, and king shall be destroyed from among the people. God is love. Yes, God is God of love. If you want His love, as I've said, you've got to go to Calvary. God is a God of justice. God is a God of wrath. The Bible says that God is furious. That God is angry with the wicked every day. If you want His love, you have to go to Calvary. Get in there. So verse 24, Yea, and all the prophets from Samuel and those that follow after, as many as have spoken, have likewise foretold of these days, the days of the restitution of all things. What does it mean, the restitution? It means that things will be made right. Let's just put it that way. God is going to set things right. In this age, in this age, uh, a jealous family member can hire an attorney and hire a corrupt judge to take all of the money away from nine, eight of Beth's siblings that they were granted uh, and, and filed in the taxes and everything done legally through the, through the trust. And uh, back in the 70s, it, it, it would equate to millions of dollars. It was $200,000 per child. That's a lot of money back in the 70s, huh? Took it away from them. Will that happen in the millennium? Nope. There will be a righteous government, and Christians will be ruling over it. And it would be hilarious if, uh, if uh, Beth's brother Lyle were the one reigning over that district in, in Illinois during the millennium. That would just be hilarious. He and I were talking about that. Um, but that's what will happen. Jesus said, if you suffer with me, you'll reign with me, and I'll give you ten cities. You know all that stuff? He meant what he was saying. Uh, so anyways, the restitution of all things. God will set everything right. Now, we got, I have two more, and I don't have all of them that are in the Bible, but I have two more. Let's look at one more because Miss Boo brought it up. Matthew 19. The millennium is described as the regeneration. Matthew 19. Uh, Matthew 19 and verse 28. And I got something fun here that I really want you to I want you to hear tonight. So it's going to involve turning to one more passage, okay? But um, you're going to like this. My mom got me with this, um, so I want to share it with you. All right. So Matthew nineteen twenty eight says here, uh, Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you that ye which have followed me in the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall what 
sit in the throne of His glory. Okay? In the regeneration. Two times that word regeneration is in the Bible. One time it's your personal regeneration. Titus 3.5. That's referring to when you're born again and what the Spirit does for you. The second time it's mentioned is here, and it's talking about the earth. That the earth will be regenerated. So at the beginning, I lost it now, at the beginning of the millennial kingdom, the world will be regenerated, and all the effects of the fall will be gone. The curse lifted from the ground, the animal, uh, animal nature, the curse will be lifted. So therefore, you know, the lion can lie down with the lamb, right? Isn't that what the Bible says, that the lion will lie down with the lamb? Where does it say that? Does anybody know? Bible trivia time. And are you sure that's what it really says? I, did he sing it? I've always heard my whole life, the lion shall lie down with the lamb, right? Are you sure that's what it says? Look at Isaiah chapter 11. This will be the last one. You see if you can find it. Yeah, that's a good song. Peace in the valley for me someday. Isaiah 11. And it is verse verse 6. See what it says there. Isaiah 11 verse 6. It says the wolf, doesn't it? Isn't that something? If you search on your phone on your Bible app, the lion and the lamb, you won't find it. It doesn't say it there. And I thought, wait a minute, because my mom was like, you know where that is in the Bible? I'm like, I'm your Bible college son. Of course I know where that is in the Bible. And I said, Isaiah 11. Yeah. And there's a TV, there's a lion and a Exactly. So I'm trying to figure out where does that come from, because it's not what the Bible says. So where does it come from? I know there's a young lion in verse 6, but... Um, the calf. So is the calf a lamb or is a calf, isn't a calf a cow? Yeah. Baby cow. So, and there, there is, you'll find it also in Isaiah 65. We won't turn there, but you'll find kind of the same quote there. Um, but the cow and the bear shall feed their young ones, shall lie down together in verse 7. And uh, all that stuff, the lion shall eat straw like the ox, so animals will no longer be carnivores, they'll be herbivores like they were back in the Garden of Eden. Basically, the Lord makes the whole world like the Garden of Eden. That's the regeneration. But there's no lion and lamb. Isn't that something? Yeah, you're lying. You're lying. You're lying about the lion. Yes. So... (laughs) So if you want to get somebody real good, now you know how to set them up. All right. Lord, thank you for this time together, and thank you for the Word of God. Help us to judge everything by the Word of God and be good Bereans. We can see how easily we can be tricked. So Lord, help us to be convinced by Scripture. In Jesus' name, amen. (laughs) Yes, it did.